Pulp MX Network production. You cast me, I'll complete me till What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity. All right, man? Well, we have a uh, very exciting wrap-up show tonight. Lots and lots to talk about. One of the longest pulp shows, maybe the second longest in uh, the pulp history. Five hours and 45 minutes for episode 391. So I want to thank all the sponsors. First of all, BTO Sports, Fly Racing, Vertex Pistons, Vortex Racing, Race Tech Engines and Suspension, Michelin Star Cross Fives, Maxima Oils, X-Brand Goggles, Pro Filter, Works Connection, The Atlas Brace, FMF Racing, Roost Graphics, W Wheels, Guts Racing, Get Data, Firepower Batteries and Chains, EVS Sports, Eagle Grit Hand Cleaner, MotorcycleIndustriesJobs.com, Honda World Downey, OGO Bags, and Ride Engineering. All those sponsors can be found on PulpMXShow.com with uh, Pulp Codes for discounts. Very loyal sponsors of the show for many years, so we want to thank all of them. I am Darkside from the Moto X Pod Show. And of course, WUSA provides the best quality wheels in the business. Whether you're a professional supercross or just a weekend warrior, W has wheels for you. W can even restore your old wheels, so visit WUSA and let John and Kristen Anderson take care of you. And tonight, WUSA brings us the one and only, from 100% Goggles, Charles Castlew. What's up, Charles? Not much, Dark Side. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. I am excited to have you on, even if you are in a competitive goggle. But you guys do, you actually do sponsor the, the Moto 60 show or the review show? Moto 60 show and the Pulp Fantasy show, actually. Okay, yeah, that's, that's what I was listening to a little while ago, and I knew you guys were on there. So awesome, awesome. I'm glad you guys are part of that. Um, and also, if you're looking for a high-performance seat cover... Or, and foam. Uh, Guts Racing is it. Andy Gregg and Guts are providing seats for many of the best riders in the world, some of the top teams in the pits. So visit GutsRacing.com today. And Guts Racing brings us a uh, former professional mechanic for guys like Billy Leninovich, Jace Owen, Josh Summy, Thomas Searle, and more, Mr. Preston Rose. What's up, Preston? Not much. How are you, Dr. Doing good, man. I am. Uh, I'm really excited about this one. Um, myself and Steve had a little uh, little discussion last night on the show, so I, I'm ready to get this one going. Um, but first, uh, Preston, how long have you been a Pulp fan? Oh, I've probably been listening solid for the past three or four years. Okay. But I would have to say, when I was a mechanic, I probably didn't listen so much. <laughs> yeah, you. Well, you you probably came on board about the time I did. Then, uh, how about you, uh, Caslu? You know, I, I, I'm not sure. It's been at least that long. I would say, yeah, probably five or so years. I yeah. guess. Well, let me I ask guess. you this before we get into this. So, uh, being, you know, what is your title at 100? Uh, percent Sales and marketing manager. Okay, so you are the one probably that decides to help jump on board, when, and then that decision goes through you if you're going to sponsor a show like Steve's, correct? Uh, and tell me, what about Steve's show? Why Why is that good for a company like 100%? I mean, you guys have huge marketing. You have some of the biggest riders in the world, um, probably more riders in outdoor nationals and supercross than anybody, it seems like. Uh, but what makes you come on board with a show like Pulp MX? Uh, well, for one, Steve has a very loyal um, group of listeners, and his audience is very engaged. Um, 
and really takes what he's saying for gospel almost. So, yeah. um, and he has a long-standing relationship with another brand for the the pulp show, which is which is fine. So, um, you know, kind of take what what we can get. And as far as doing the fantasy show in particular, I think they're a little bit on the tip of the you know the iceberg of, of fantasy really breaking through and, and motocross and supercross. So kind of getting involved with it early, I thought was important for us. And then um, we're new to the Moto 60 show actually for this summer. And, and that, to be honest, was really related to the launch of our new goggle, the Armega. Yeah. Um, and the, the timing of it, the they got launched between Vegas Supercross and Hangtown. So obviously once um, the Moto 60 show was starting the week before Hangtown, so it made sense to start pushing that goggle at that same time. So that's right. came together. You know, and, and as much as I don't want to give credit to Steve right now after our conversation last night, the fact that compete, competing, competing companies like yourself and X-Brand will come on board or uh, Fly and uh, FXR, you know, for different shows, that they, they are okay right. with that because they know that Steve, uh, you know, his, he's got a good product, period. I mean, like you say, they're everybody the fans are loyal um, and he promotes everybody equally. And it, it says a lot about his product. Right, and yeah, that's a really cool part. Him and I have had a lot of conversations about it where he, you know, he's had me on the Pulp Show, I don't know, a handful of times at least, and every time he's like, look, we're just fine with it. You know, we, we his his version is we can't be dicks to each other. Yep. We're all in this together. It's too small so of a why too small go of out of our way? Hey, yeah, let's just don't go out of your way to promote somebody else if you're getting money from company X or company Y or whatever. Yeah. Um, but don't be dicks to each other along the way. Like, we can... I can go on the show and not, you know, I'm mindful when I'm on the Pulp Show that it's sponsored by X Brand, and I try to not insert, you know, 100% product stuff or 100% marketing stuff on on purpose because right. I know I'm trying to be respectful. He throws jabs and <laughs> tries to bring things out in his, you know, own comical way, but um, I, I I truly try to just avoid that part of you know the subject while yeah. I'm there. All right. Let's jump into this episode. I'm going to skip ahead a couple hours into the episode um, because that's going to kind of, I think, set the tone for tonight. Um, So I call in, as I always do, because I'm a nerd. Um, and we, the wrap up show comes up and Steve tells me that I'm still not listening to him and doing things the way he recommends. Um, he wants me to basically not ask the guests their opinions of the show. And he's, I think, um, here's, here's a little tribute to you. He's 100% wrong. Um, uh, you know, I think without the guest opinions, we don't have a show. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and like, uh, you know, some people don't get it. I get a lot of messages. Like, I don't understand why there's a show about a show, but a lot of people didn't get Seinfeld when it first started either. Um, Preston, man, what do you think about this topic? Um, what do you think about the topic of the wrap up show and how it's being handled? Um, I like the wrap up show. Um, you know, there was a couple of people called in today on the, Moto 60, talking about how they didn't like it or whatever, but um, it's hard to not have guests on and have an opinion. Yes. Um, you know, there's, yeah, there's a lot of content to talk about, but there's other things that just happen to be talked about, and you kind of can't help that. Yeah, and Charles, like I, I kind of brought up last night, or Monday night, it's like, I, I can't just say, all right, Steve said X, what is he right or wrong and then move on i mean it, the show um and even like his basis for the show this, this howard stern wrap-up show the 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 guests give their opinions uh charles what do you think man i don't know how often you, if you even listen to the wrap-up show but what do you think 
I have. I've listened. Um, you know, I think you, <laughs> you've got a good point that if you, if you truly ask your guests what they thought of Steve and his guests' opinion, the answers would be yes or no or right or wrong and then move on and yeah. you would touch on 10 subjects and the show would be 10 minutes long and call it good. So, I mean, I get, I guess I understand Steve's point in that trying to differentiate between the two shows. Um, but you have to, there has to be some opinion involved with your, your guests, because if not, it would be two one word answers and everybody's over it and very short and no, no show. Right. I agree. I think Steve's wrong. So we're going to have some opinions tonight. Okay, so we're going to back up. We're going to go to the beginning of the show. Um, first thing off the bat that I kind of made notes on is um, Steve asked, what was the biggest story uh, over of Southwick? Marvin winning his second overall or Zach winning his first moto? Um, Charles, I'll let you go first. Um, I go with Zach winning his first moto, cause, which I think was JT's take on it as well, because Marvin... You know, Marvin's done it before. He's won overalls. He's won back-to-back overalls. I would assume. Yeah. So Zach getting his first 450 win to me has to take has to take that one. Yeah, I think that was Anton. I don't think I don't I don't think JT was on just yet. Oh, yeah. Anton. Yeah, yeah. Anton. And, and again, Anton was in studio for episode 391. I should have said that at the beginning. And Anton and Steve both agreed with that. That that was their opinions. So if we do it Steve's way, yes, you agree with Steve, and we'll move on. But we're not going to do it that way, Preston. Um, was Steve and Anton right? Was that the bigger, the bigger story? And what was, what is your opinion on it? Oh, I think yeah, you know, Zach winning his first moto is better than Marvin for sure. You know, Marvin's been good there years past. He was good at WW, so yeah. You know, but with Zach, you know, starting and charging from the beginning instead of getting three or four laps to go, you know, that was pretty impressive. I agree. I agree. Was, I, I was, was Freddie Noren's results part of that conversation too? Yeah, on the show, I can't up. remember. Yeah, it's coming up. They, they okay, talked about sorry. Roxon next, and then they moved on to Freddie. But yeah, that's all stuff I want to touch on for sure. To me, let's, that's probably. A- let's talk about Freddie. Um, Steve, Steve did not expect it. Uh, he admitted that he was wrong when J Bone comes on in a little while. Um, that he 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 made a mistake. That Freddie was a good pick. Um, well, yeah. What do you guys think? We think. That's pretty. I, I like it when Steve admits he's wrong. Go ahead, Preston. Uh, I mean, everybody likes to talk bad about the Suzuki, but if you look back, you know what was it three years ago? Roxon won what twenty motos on the old version of it, right? So you know the bike's good. Obviously, it's a factory bike. Um, you throw a guy on a privateer bike onto a factory bike, like. His results should get better. Um, you know, most of the time they don't, especially having that short of uh, time to get used to the bike. Yeah. So, well, I, I think that, you know. I don't think any of the guys, Steve or Anton, said he expected a top ten. I think everybody was surprised, and you know, hopefully, Freddie will keep that rolling. Um, another big discussion during the intro was about Roxon and how he's fading. Um, Steve, you know, is super surprised. Is how how do they not know what's going on? Uh, Anton talks about the Red Bull facility being like top notch, uh, and you, he says, Anton says that you can't keep fading back to tenth like that from the from first when you're at that level. Um, Steve says, you know, Anton mentions, well, maybe Honda needs to pull him, 
and have him do something else. He talked about some four-wheel stuff. I think he meant like eight UTV demos or something along those lines. I'm not sure exactly what he meant. And Steve says sarcastically, yeah, that really works for these guys. Um, Charles, what do you think, man? I, I think that it would be – are they right? Should Honda maybe set him down and make him rest? Yeah, I think I I, I agree. I, I, I didn't follow Anton's um, side-by-sides or whatever other stuff he was thinking Kenny could do, but um, I, I think this weekend will be pretty telling if Kenny has another very mysterious – start up front, run up front, fade back, you know, barely within the top 10 or outside the top 10, I think the conversation has to, you know, go a little further. And I would agree with the direction they were talking on the show about it it doesn't do him any good to, you know, it doesn't do Honda any good. It doesn't do Kenny any good to start fourth or fifth and get 11th or 12th or, you know, whatever he got at at, um, Southwick. So, yeah, I tend to tend to agree with them, um, but I, I I didn't follow Anton's other yeah, part of the discussion. I, I took it as maybe he was saying like send them to some dealer shows or something like that. You know, where like okay, uh, like I yeah. did a thing at Cycle Ranch recently that Toyota put on and Weston Pike showed up. You know, I took it as something like that. Just kind of do make some uh, appearances, basically, is what I think he meant. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, what about you, Preston? Are you on board with uh, Anton and Steve? I mean, he, you know, if he does it this weekend and when they have a break or whatever, and if he can come back the weekend after that, if he still does the same thing, yeah, they got to think about setting him down and getting ready for Supercross because, you know, they don't know what it is. They need to figure it out. And if it's a rest he needs, then he's all I can get. Yeah, because he's not going to get you Go ahead, Charles. To Anton's point, I mean, I think Anton alluded to with all Red Bull facilities and Kenny's access to doctors, they have to know something, right? Like maybe they're not telling us. Um, That's what I think. But they can't be completely in the dark. Yeah. And I, I second that. I think, you know, they, whatever they found out, it clearly wasn't serious enough to pull the plug right away. Um, but I think they have, they have to know something, generally yeah. speaking. It can't just be, yeah, I don't know, nothing. Keep going. And that that kind of falls back onto some of Steve's rants from past you know shows. It's like, why is everything secret? You're in the industry a lot, Charles. I'm sure you get a lot of insider stuff with your riders. I mean, like seriously though, why is this all so such a secret? Yeah, you know, and and Kenny's case specifically, I, I it really doesn't make any sense because you know if he's doing what he's doing the last couple of weeks. Yeah, the first part of the series was good, but the last couple of weeks have been you know, pretty bad. And that doesn't do anyone any good to, to do that. And the, what's the benefit of keeping it a secret? Nothing other than, you know, like if he had a hurt thumb or something, he was trying to not let people know that, but I, I, I don't buy into it. And it happens a lot. And Steve's rant ranted about it a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, there's no good answer for it. And a lot of it comes down to if, if the writer has, for some reason in his head or his trainer's head or his man friend's head that we can't let people see weakness or know about this. And then that rider or that man friend tells somebody in confidence, that person tells another person and it starts to spread. Everybody has this, Hey, you can't say, you can't tell anyone this. So that just keeps spreading. Right. So then nobody wants to be the one that comes out and says, Oh yeah, he's got Epstein bar and he can't ride because then it's like, there's a leak in the, 
the chain, you know what I mean? Yeah, so. yeah. I always think, wonder about that, like when Steve has insider stuff from, say, Kawasaki, or, you know, he has this, this, this info, and the, t- the team has to be like, okay, we can narrow this down pretty easily. Like, it can't be that hard. Right. Yeah. You know, but yeah. anyway, all right, we're going to move on to the first uh, guest of the night. Um, J-Bone, Jeremy Albrecht comes on, and this was my favorite call of the night, um, favorite guest of the night. Right off the bat, Steve has to make a public apology for Norn, which we've already talked about that a little bit. Um, but J-Bone is super honest. Um, he always has been. Probably has gotten in trouble a few times. I think he even mentions that. Uh, he says, I'm, I usually, I'm always a loyal guy, and I play it safe. Uh, and it doesn't always work out. So he took a chance on Freddie. And as of right now, it, it worked out. Freddie was appreciative of the, the opportunity. Um, Preston, what do you think about J-Bone um, as, a, as a caller, as a, you know, a, a regular guest and, and this interview? Yeah, Jay Bum, he's always awesome. You know, he definitely honest, probably says stuff he really shouldn't. And yeah, like they've always been loyal and took care of everybody and sometimes they need to take that risk and I'm glad they did and it's not and it paid off for them. Right. And Charles, uh, um, you know, taking risks like that and, and being honest, I mean that's that's a big part of something we get with the Pulp Mech show that maybe you wouldn't get on other shows. I think some of these guys are pretty comfortable with Steve and they, they trust Steve and they open up a little bit. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. And I think Jay bone in particular is a, a great interview and he's open and, and gives stuff and that he probably shouldn't at times. And, <laughs> and I can attest to the fact of being on the show, me in the, in the studio particularly. Um, and maybe saying something you shouldn't or digging a little deeper on a topic or a person than you than you meant to yeah. because Steve has a good way of getting people to open up and you know making you feel comfortable and um and then there's times when you kind of lose track of what you talked about on the air versus off the air and yep, things yep. like that so I think there's a little bit of that that comes with Steve's show he has a little bit of the, the secret sauce that um you know gets people to open up and it's, it's good for the listeners and and J-Bone is already open, so that just kind of compounds it. And I think he didn't say anything super out of line, but there was definitely the way he phrased some things about Justin Hill or the yep. way he spoke about taking, you know, being too conservative and not taking risks, you know, that you could directly draw that to Kyle Chisholm. You know, I think that's what he was talking about. Um you know, that probably doesn't make Kyle Chisholm feel very good. But no. Jay Bone said what he was thinking and what he was doing, and it, you know, doesn't. Yeah. Being the Chiz fan that I am, all the discussion this week on Chiz, on the on the Fly... Well, I actually haven't listened to Fly Moto 60 show, so i got to listen to that so I can hear the people complain about this show. But uh, the review show and all that, I was I was kind of bummed, man. That one bums me out a lot. I really, really like Chiz. But, um, yeah, so Jay Bone, they, Steve asked, uh, said, hey, or says, the troll train is coming around. And uh, J-Bone gets in some of his honesty here. And he goes, well, hey, he hasn't been riding bad, but he hasn't re- been riding exceptionally good either. Uh, and they forced a new motor package on him. Uh, and, and he admitted that Troll, uh, A-Mart, Troll Train, doesn't generally like change. Uh, Preston, you, you're a former mechanic uh, for a lot of these top-level guys. Uh, first of all, you know, what do you think about him being honest with that, uh, the team forcing something on a rider to maybe uh, help improve something? I mean, that's a pretty good piece of information right there. It is, and I think that happens a little more than anything ever gets out. You know, like if a rider's complaining or needing something and they don't want to change, like 
team has no option but to say, here, this is what you're going to run. And, yeah. You know, and it usually don't work as, like, you know, the rider might want something, but the team might not always give it to them. But the team's going to definitely force something on him like that when he's asking for something. Yeah, well, hopefully this change is going to work out. Um, Charles, this I think this next topic with J Bone will probably you'll probably have some things to say about being working for such a big company like Hundred um, Percent. They talk about JGR trying to find a title sponsor, how difficult it's been. Um, and Steve says, you know, it's kind of depressing that a team like Joe Gibbs Racing, who's a major Im- impact on NASCAR, has all the and he's talked about this before, has all this reach with major sponsors, but they can't make it happen. Um, J Bone said, yeah, even with Reed, you know, they thought they were going to get some outside sponsors and things just didn't work out. Um, he talks about the social media influence and what some sponsors requirements are as far as posts and videos. And, um, talk about that a little bit, Charles, what do you think about J bone discussing openly, pretty openly anyway, the business side of JGR and what you think that influence, like you deal with that kind of stuff, I'm sure. Yeah, a little bit. And I think obviously his search for a title sponsor is a little bit different than the conversations, you know, we're in to be the responsible for the team. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, you know, J-Bone, typical J-Bone fashion was a little more open than he probably should be in a team manager role there. Um, but it's true. I mean, they, they have the ability to get in front of any, you know, any company basically or have a direct line to the specific contacts that all these big companies because of their current or previous relationships on the cup side of things. Um, so that's the number one hurdle that most teams run across is, is getting that contact and you know having the getting the time of day from that contact to at least discuss the or supercross and motocross where they can I think Steve's point there is they can bypass the the guesswork and the trying to get a hold of someone and figure out if they talk to the right person they got a beeline right to the the right contact and if they can't with their resources put together a you know a deck that paints the right picture to get that person interested, um, you know, what the hell is, you know, Christina Denny going to do at Rock River Yamaha or, you know, yeah. what are some of these smaller teams going to do? So, yeah, yeah it, it's tough, and it doesn't sound good. I, and I think there was a little bit of positivity from Jay bone that, you know, we're not, this isn't going to be forever. It's going to work out. Um, and I tend to agree. Steve, Steve is pretty vocal about how we're, we are what we are, I think is what he says. Yes. And, you know, we are, no matter what station channel we're on on TV, no matter what sponsor comes in and sponsors this or X Games or Supercross, we always sort of end up the same. But I, I disagree with them on some level because, you know, if yes, there's not a big Taco Bell sponsor, but there's Geico Insurance. You know, there's Monster is very organic to Supercross and Motocross, but that's because that's the way it's been for a while. Monster's still from the outside. It's a big-ass company that sells billions of dollars of stuff that, has chosen to sponsor Supercross, right? And then there's, you know, Red Bull's doing deals with 7-Eleven for outdoors. There's 7-Eleven banners at some of the, you know, outdoors. And there's there are, you know, big companies that come and go, but that happens in everything. Companies come, they spend some money, they don't want to do become stale and keep doing the same thing, so they move their money around and go do something else. But, right. You know, I think we're, you know, it's, we're not the same as it was in 1990, Um We've taken steps forward. We've taken steps backwards. But I think, generally speaking, we're in a better spot than we were then. You 
Fair enough. I, I, I agree with you. Um, all right, Preston. So here's where were some real. Um, I was pretty surprised by some response or some uh, comments that Jay Bone made. This is the discussion about Justin Hill towards the end of the the interview. Uh, you know, and Steve just say hey, straight up, what went wrong with Justin Hill? Steve has been very um, you know vocal. He's he's he gives his his uh his true thoughts on Justin Hill didn't work out. He's like and Jay Bone just says, hey, I don't know what happened. I don't know. I thought we had a steal after Tampa last year. Um, but and Justin Hill never says what's wrong. Um, man, that's again very very surprised by these comments. I wouldn't have expected Jay Bone to answer that as well as a couple weeks ago when Weston was on and talking about um, Justin. Um, Preston, what do you think, man? Were you surprised by those comments and the honesty, or is that just Jay Bone? Uh, I think that's just Jay Bone. But I never did put two and two together that Justin was over there when Weston got hurt. Yep, that's in my notes. So big, that could you know, be big. That that's probably pretty big. You know the severity of the injury that he got, and it happening right in front of him, and Justin, like I said, struggling with the starts, and you know not not willing to hang it out. So you know Justin's got a lot of talent. There's no reason he shouldn't be up front. So, you know, it all goes back to the mental part of it. Like, when he's on, he could be the best out there, but he's missing a little something, and yeah. that crash could be a big part of it. Right. And uh, that was a that was actually a c- question that Anton uh, brought up for J-Bone about Weston's crash and the impact it had on Hill. Charles, that was pretty telling. Like, I, I never honestly c- thought about that either. So that was that was a really good piece of information on the Pulp Mix Show Monday night. Yeah, and as as much involved as I am in the sport and sort of have a peek behind the curtain a lot of times on different different things, I had no idea. I didn't put the pieces together that yeah. Justin was there either um, or that that could be some of the effects on him. I think everybody jumps to the conclusions of him not taking you know his racing seriously enough or training enough or mental, all these different things. But I never drew the connection to the effects of, of Weston for sure, which I'm guilty of. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I said that Anton brought that question up. And one of the things Steve said that I should ask on this show was, so I'm going to jump into that real quick is Michael Antonovich, uh, formerly with Transworld, now working Swap Moto Live. Um, what do you guys think about Anton as a media guy and as an in studio guest, Preston? Uh, I don't I don't know if I can really answer that. Like I looked through just to look through Transworld a little bit and then I probably looked through Swap Moto more than I did Transworld. Mm-hmm. And um so actually reading anything he's written or the pictures or anything like that, like I don't think I could really answer that fairly. That's fair, that's fair. Uh Charles, I'm, you probably know Michael. Uh, he's not your typical moto guy as far as um the way you know, the way he dresses, the way he he acts. Um but he's knowledgeable and he's good at what he does. I think. Um, what do you think about him as a, you know, as a media guy? I I agree with you. He Anton is, is not typical, um, but he is super passionate. He's really into it. He's a smart guy. I mean, he's an intellectual guy. He's yep. creative at writing. He comes up with really unique ideas for different takes on stories and things like that. Um, Sometimes it's a little outside the box, like, you know, a few weeks ago or a few months ago, rather, on the Pulp Show, he got lit up for some of his social media hashtag talks and such. But, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, 
generally speaking, Anton Anton's a great. He's one of my more favorite guys to speak with in the pits because he has a unique outlook and uh, you know and. and intelligent and informed outlook on things for sure. Yeah. I'm glad to hear you say that. Cause he seemed to be, um, you know, Monday night, he was like, Oh no, don't talk about me. Um, you know, he talked about kind of getting some social media. Hey, you know, he does post some political things here and there. Um, yeah. but the, you know, I, I think he's a great guest. I think he's, you know, not your typical, every, every, uh, Monday night guest. He's not the, he, he's a little different. So he brings a different flavor, different taste. And I, I think he does really good. I like his, he, he's very, like you say, very knowledgeable. Um, he, I think he was a little hard on himself Monday night, but that's all right. Um, okay. Yeah. Next guest is Brandon Hartraff, cycle trader, rock river, um, had one of his best races, uh, maybe his best outdoor finish ever, if I'm not mistaken. And Steve said that earned him a, uh, on the review show. He said that earned him a, 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 an interview on the pulp show Monday night, Good stuff, man. Um, he talked about you know how much easier it was when you get a good start, and when he dropped back to fifth. And typically, he's used to having guys all over him. You know, uh, like as Jacob Hayes always says, a packet of wild chihuahuas. He said, "There's just guys everywhere." But he he got a good start. He drops back to fifth, and there's no one behind him. And he's like, "Hey, I could do this more often." Um, I like that from a rider. You know, it's like a, kind of a new experience being up front like that. You kind of see him coming into himself on the Pulp Mix show a little bit with his his discussion what do you think charles yeah um i, I don't know brandon hart ramps very well at all other than some frustrations with pulp fantasy with him to be honest. <laughs> yeah uh, and his team yes <laughs> foot pegs falling off and such um but yeah you know you, you can tell or at least from the things i know about him he's a really hard-working kid um that it's kind of a hammerhead, prides himself on being in shape and yep. maybe not the outright fastest guy. So for him to put himself in that position up front, I'm sure he learned a lot speed-wise um, and, you know, has the ability to hang on if he, if he gets up there because he's in shape and he tries hard and has all those other pieces to the puzzle in place. And I, you know, again, I don't, I don't know him personally, so I, I would listen pretty, you know, attentively on, that particular one to see, you know, what I could learn about the kid. And he seems like he's got his head on straight and he's kind of going out the right way. He's not super outgoing or anything, but, um, he seems that he's, he's kind of coming into his own right now and he's starting to believe in himself a little more from what I could tell. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, Preston, he, he goes on or Steve asked him to tell a story of what happened at WW, um, which with a couple laps ago, I thought this was fun. Uh, you know, he, he said he had a little crash and he was exhausted, so he walked over the fence and forced some uh, some fans to give him some water. Uh, that 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 shows you how exhausted he was. He didn't want to get back on the bike. He just needed some water. Yeah, I mean, Steve, Steve wants to talk about. Uh, it's just not. I mean, it's just a hot race. Like they've been hotter. Obviously, they've been hotter. But I wasn't there. But I was. It was hot. It was really humid, and. Yeah, you know, if you're trying to compare it to a race 10 years ago, 15 years ago, like, you don't really remember the exact feel of it. Right. I, I was at, you know, Southwick when they were hot, the three-stone rounds, all yep. that stuff. But I grew up in Florida when I was younger, and, like, JT knows, like, when you're down in Florida in that time of the year, it's miserable. Yeah, I was I was horribly miserable out there, and I'm near Freestone, um, so I deal with this heat and humidity here in East Texas. And Charles, you're you, I mean, you've spent plenty of time in Texas. 
Uh, Florida was yeah. Florida was different. I'm just telling you, it, 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 I cannot compare it to anything I've ever been in. It was for me, it was the most humid I've ever felt. Yeah, I mean, I'm born and raised in, in Houston, and it's yep. obviously super humid there as well. Three palms. And, you know, in lots of years at Loretta Lens, it's pretty damn humid there. Like, I, yeah, I don't. I fall somewhere in the middle on that. I, don't, I mean, Steve is technically correct. There's probably been faster race, or I'm sorry, hotter races, but I think he's doing his typical um, over-exaggerating, overstating <laughs> the point to just mess with JT. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, and I've said this before, that there's moments where his whole goal is just to irritate JT. Um, and he will not bend. It's pretty easy to do that. Yes, that's way. true. That's true. Um, okay, guys. So, go ahead. Hold on a second, yeah, go ahead, man. Like, uh, like WW, I went to the GP that they had there, and it kind of reminds me of like Troy, Ohio, where the track is down in the middle of like a bunch of trees, so you don't have a whole lot of air circulating, and it's just muggy. Yes. You know? I I kind of described it to me as like when I go open the oven to check and see if my food's ready and that wave of heat hits you in the face, but it was like that for 12 hours. Like it just, you were in this oh, yeah. bubble of heat and it sucked. The race, the track was beautiful. I enjoyed being there, but the weather was not my favorite. But um, okay, so there was a little bit of a uh, another rant that went on during this conversation or towards the end of it. Um where he's talking to Brandon and they're discussing the fitness of some of these factory riders, um, some of the top level guys. And Steve, he, he said this before, one thing you can control is your fitness. And he's like, what the fuck with these factory guys? WTF. Um, I don't know, man. I, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, a professional athlete. I, I don't totally disagree with him. I think he's right. You can control your fitness, but sometimes you can't control if you're not used to that heat or, you know, you just never know. I guess there's different situations. Um, Charles, what do you think, man? Is he right? Or is he wrong? I, I'm totally on board with him okay. being right on this. Like, and more so, it's the, the guys that just give up. Whether they actually give up, meaning pull off the track, or they literally just stop trying and they drop, you know, 15 or 20 seconds a lap. Like that's completely unacceptable. Like if you're tired, everyone's tired. Let's yeah. be real. Well, we saw that the guy which that is wins the moto. Guy that wins the moto is tired. Yeah, it's just how much you can manage that and only drop off two seconds a lap or three seconds a lap versus fifteen or twenty seconds a lap. That's just you know giving up essentially, which is I think the bigger problem than like the actually getting tired of these guys. Right. Okay. Before we move on, the next thing I want to do a quick couple quick sponsor reads again: BTO Sports, Fly Racing, Vertex Pistons, Vortex Racing, Race Tech Engines and Suspension. Michelin Starcross 5, Maxim Oils, X-Brand Goggles, Pro Filter, and Works Connection. I had two of our key sponsors for the Pulpamex Wrap-Up Show, WUSA and Guts Racing. Okay, so this next one, uh, we had a caller, Casey, that called in. I always find this entertaining just because Steve's reaction's funny, and um, I, I sort of agree with him. Um, Casey said, asked Steve if he ever wore the mechanic boot, um, and he says, no, they're stupid. He says, you think your boot mark is going to make a difference with a 50-horsepower motorcycle and Anton thinks they look cool, but that doesn't mean they work. Um, all right, Preston, you were a professional mechanic. Did you ever, or would you have ever, wore the boot? I did wear those boots. Um, they wasn't that comfortable. And, yeah, I agree with Steve that, yeah, kicking a, 
a divot in the dirt ain't going to stay there or help the motorcycle launch across the gate. The reason I won't is when the gate gets hard, harder and starting to bake and you need to get in there and, like, kick the dirt out of the way and everything and, like, get to where the good dirt is, Yeah, that's where they work. You know, you can't do that with a pair of Etnies or DC. <laughs> and I actually, when I when I wore them, I had the guys from Alpine Star take the uh, metal end off of a motocross boot. Oh yeah. On the put on the end of my boot, so I could like have something in there, so I could really get in there and get the dirt, you know, to the good dirt or whatever I need to kick out of there. I didn't wear them for the divots. <laughs> so you don't think the uh, the guy that gets the whole shot each week is because his mechanic kicked his his rut the the best, huh? I, I mean it does. I mean it does help a lot. Yeah, for sure. But actually taking your toe of your boot or your heel of your boot, like Steve's talking about, ain't ain't getting the whole <laughs> right, shot. Yeah, right. it does have a, it does have a lot to do with cake prep, but. Taking the divots in there ain't helping. Right, Charles. Uh, do the do the do the, do the Al- Alpine Star mechanic boots look dumb? Is he right? They look dumb for sure. <laughs> he's right on that, but he's wrong on the fact that they. He's kind of reaching a little bit on that they don't make any difference because, like Preston's saying, they they absolutely help. They definitely make a difference on being able to kick harder to get you know dirt kicked up and get bad dirt kicked out of the way and form the prepare the rut so he can get a good start. Um, it's kicking in, you know, flimsy tennis shoes. You're going to hurt this. Your feet are going to hurt. You're yeah. going to break the toe. You're trying to kick rock hard dirt where a pair of those, you know, stupid looking boots helps them be able to do their job better and easier and more comfortably while they're actually kicking it. Yeah. Um, I've actually seen some mechanics even change out of them once they, once they prep the gate and they walk over to the, the golf cart that has their spare tires and stuff on there, they'll change out of those boots and the, and the shoes I've seen before, which is probably the, the right way to do it. Yeah, I think uh, at WW, I saw Brandon Zimmerman had his sitting to the side, but he changed out, if I'm not mistaken. Well, that's AC's mechanic. Or it it might have been uh, – I'm pretty sure it was Brandon that I saw do that. But anyway, um, okay, Will Hahn makes his, his now – he's doing these weekly calls, which I really enjoy. Will's very funny. Um he and Steve asked him pretty much right off the bat, "Hey man, will Mac- will Macarath get on the star bike?" And Will's like, "Dude, it's already been announced, man. It's on vital." <laughs> and so Steve says, "Well, you said last last week I was I was an idiot." Will says, "Well, that's that's valid." Um, love the banter. Kind of funny that Steve didn't get to totally officially break the news that it came out on vital. Uh, Charles, what do you think about Will's weekly calls and uh, the the banter between him and Steve? Will's awesome. I think I'm, you know, buddies with Will um, personally, and he's, he's a you know funny, good dude. And but on the show, I think he's really good because he has a, a you know a unique personality, and he has a good sense of humor. And for whatever reason, he has a, um, a cool relationship with with Steve, where he can really fuck with him and yeah. <laughs> get Steve going and and be a smartass to him in, in his own way. That's pretty pretty entertaining. So um, I like it. I, I I hope he calls in more and. and yeah, they need to keep it going. Keep it going for sure. And and as far as McElrath signing, I thought it was really kind of weird on the show how it came out. You're right that it wasn't. Um, Steve was caught off. You could tell Steve was caught off guard when yep. Will just answered the question. And Anton actually thought Will like 
got tripped up and accidentally answered it. Well, it was like, I don't know. I mean, it, it was out there. I'm yeah. Last week. Yeah. That, that was good. I, I agree. I thought, I kind of thought he tripped up too. Cause I didn't, I honestly, I, I don't get on vital very often. So I, I didn't, I didn't see it either. So yeah. Um, yeah. Preston, uh, another thing Will says is, uh, he's discussing the aftermath of WW leading into, to Southwick. And he says, man, these guys, they shouldn't have been riding three times during the week between those two races. If they were, that was a mistake. That was a big thing that Steve said a lot. Hey, he talked about it on the review show. Um, these team managers shouldn't have been let, letting these guys ride that much. They needed to recover. Um, that's a team manager or assistant team manager. Uh, what have you, I, I don't remember exactly what Will's title is right now. I think he's assistant team manager, but um, that's, you know, him, him basically saying, Hey, you know, you're right. These guys, we need to kind of keep these guys in check sometimes. Uh, what do you think about that comment, Preston? No, I, I think Will is definitely right on that. Uh, you know, I don't think they have enough people in their corner to say, Hey, you know, you need to take it easy. WW was hot. Yeah. Probably going to be hot at Southwick. Redbud might be hot, but the track's going to be rough. Like, that's three long weeks of racing. And what are you going to lose if you only ride one time during the week over, you know, a couple weeks and then be health, you know, be fresh at the race and be able to give 100% at the race and then not below it during the week? Yeah. Well, and once again, this is a case, in my opinion, of these guys coming on and being pretty open and and forward. And, you know, we, we just talked a little bit ago about them keeping secrets. But, you know, there are secrets they keep, but then there's also some guys like J-Bone and Will who are very open. And I, I want to ask you, Charles, you know, what do you – like, we kind of talked about it a little bit, but the Pulpamex show does have a lot of influence. Um, all these teams know who Steve is, uh, and, and they seem to be more willing to come on his show and be open – um, with him, I think because of, like I said before, of the track record with him and they, they can trust him and they know that he is pretty honest with himself anyway, he speaks his mind, but you know, what do you think about that? You think that's, is that why these guys are so, some of these guys are so open is because of their trust in Steve and the pulp show. Yeah, certainly. Um, and I think another part of it is if you're comparing it to, magazine interviews or, or written yeah. you know, online interviews, things like that, where they, I think all writers have at some point maybe said something in a different way that came across differently when it was written out um, yep. or felt like something was taken out of context where if you're doing it in a podcast form, you feel that you're saying it so you can control what you're saying and um, maybe they're more open to saying other things um, than they typically would in a, a normal interview because they're, they're able to explain it how the hell they want to get it across, right? So, yeah. Well, you touched um, on it earlier in one of your comments about when you're in studio that sometimes you, you forget what was said off the record, off the show. Uh, you start getting comfortable. And and I've talked about this before, and Steve's mentioned he's a big Howard Stern fan. For those that don't listen to Stern, won't really get the the – um, the, the it, what I'm talking about here, but and Pookie's a fan of Stern, but Howard gets people comfortable. He's very, very good at what he does as being an interviewer. He gets people comfortable, and these uh, superstar actors and musicians say things that they wouldn't say anywhere else because of their comfort and their his ability to make them feel like you're just talking to your buddy. You're you know you're not in a uh, hostile environment, and I think that's what Steve does. Uh, there's times when Steve can be quote-unquote a little bit hostile or aggressive but it's usually in a funny way 
Uh, you know, and so I think, yeah, I think that's why his show is so great and has the following it does. Preston, um, thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, well, Steve, he's been around forever. He knows everybody in the pit, and, you know, like, they know he, he's pretty much, up until lately, the only one that's really had a show, and they know, like, if they tell him something that really shouldn't be out, he's not going to just throw it out there. Yeah. You know, he... But he puts out enough to keep everybody interested in the real secrets. You know, he keeps them to himself. Right. Yeah, that's true. True. All right. We're going to move on to Dino. Uh, we're, we're running low on time. As it's really hard to get everything. There's so much content, especially in a five-hour, 45-minute episode of the Pulp Show, to get talked about in an hour. But Dino, a um, lot of good stuff with Dino. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to skip a couple of these things. Uh Dean uh, talks about being at Milestone and having some vet riders that are kind of in the way. It makes it hard to train. This is another hot topic over the last couple of years. Uh, we've seen guys like Jason Anderson get hurt. We've we've heard about uh, the amateur riders or kids getting hurt because they get in the way. Uh, Charles, you're out on the West Coast. Man, what do you think? What? How does this get fixed, first of all, and why does it keep happening? Um, I was a little confused by this, actually, the conversation here, because I swear at this point recently KTM or Husqvarna put out some sort of press release that riders would not be at open tracks or something. Mm-hmm. Am I crazy? No, I think, you, I think you're right, yeah. And, and so when Dean started talking about riding a milestone, I was like, wait a second. I thought they weren't – I thought they were only riding in private places. They were renting out tracks or they were in Florida where it's private tracks. So I was a little confused by that. But it is – I mean, it's an ongoing problem. It hasn't been a problem for – Ever since yeah. you know, people started riding public trucks, and there's there's no solution because if you go to a whatever Paula on a Tuesday, which Dean actually said was was okay comparatively speaking, Glen Helen or Milestone, um, you know there's people there to pay their money to ride, so they they want to ride too, and the the trucks aren't making enough money on a midweek practice day to justify having people out there splitting up the practice and monitoring that the pros are only out there when the pros are supposed to be out there. And so there's really no answer because there's, there's a smaller amount of riders. So a smaller amount of revenue coming in on a Tuesday or a Wednesday that, you know, the track's sort of in a, a tight spot where they, they probably can't afford to put, you know, hire a bunch of people to go mandate, um, you know, split practices and such. So I, I right. there's no answer, unfortunately. Right. Um, Preston, something else that Steve brings up and, uh, Dean, Dean, uh, said no comment, but he talks about, and because you're a mechanic, I want to ask you about this, uh, his injury coming from a bike malfunction, um, as a mechanic, that's something that I'm sure that you stress about all the time. Steve has talked about that. Um, but he, I, I give him credit for asking about it, even though Dean didn't really talk about it. Um, it's gotta be a horrible feeling though. Dean dealing with that. What do you think about Steve asking that question, even though Dean didn't answer? I mean, that's, that's what Steve does right there. He wants to give his listeners that inside info. And Dean, Dean answered it pretty good, you know, like being in that situation and having something fell on the bike. Like, you know, it, you can't go out and say it was this part or that part. It makes the manufacturer look bad. Yeah. Makes the team look bad, you know. So... You know, it could be an aftermarket part that was on the bike or something like that. You can't ever make any of the sponsors look bad. And, you know, that's that's probably one thing. Like, I get the teams not telling what happened, but not being open about 
injuries and stuff like that. Like, yeah, put that out there. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so a couple other things in the Dean. Dean was always a great interview, but uh, they talk about Dean picking flights at the last minute, cheaping out on flights, um, and uh, he's kind of cutting corners here and there. He says, I got to cut corners between schedule, travel, and rest. Uh, and Steve gives him crap, you know, say, man, you're making millions of dollars. Uh, you know, just fly first class or fly, fly and take a nice flight. And Dean said for me, the line of the night was, man, a sandwich tastes the same in a normal fridge as opposed to a a high dollar fridge. Basically. Uh, what about you, Charles? You do a lot of travel. What do you think? Um, Steve, Steve's a bit more frivolous than the average traveler, I think. I mean, yeah. he's no way just wasting yeah. money, but but he he values the fact that you know he's traveling every week, so he's going to splurge for the the upgrade or the extra money for a better flight or a better time. Where Dean is, you know, I I admire Dean that he he understands he's in a small window of making money here on dirt bikes. So while he's making good money. He's looking long term that he doesn't want to get a job when this is over. So exactly, if I can save a couple grand a week or a grand a week or whatever times thirty, you know that's pretty strong amount of money in your pocket when you do this for you know ten, twelve, fifteen years of racing, racing dirt bikes. So um, yeah, and to be honest, I know Dean Dean pretty well. For my brother used to be his mechanic, and yep. then he's a hundred percent athlete, and I've known him for a while, and. I didn't know he was that cheap until he started talking about it on the show. I yeah, I hadn't ever heard that guy. either. I hadn't heard that. And I actually, we had him on the Moto X-Pod show last night. Um, so, you know, I talked to him a little bit about, just kind of touched on it. And he's like, yeah, man. He said, I just like living. He said, I like living life. Uh, I don't like making plans. I just like living moment to moment anyway. It's more exciting. So that that was part of his excuse for that. But, uh, yeah, he's he's huh. always a great call. So definitely one of the highlights of the Pulp Mech show anytime he's on. Um all right, so my call comes in. I, I have my call a little bit later. Uh, I'm kind of skipping a few things because we're running low on time. Um, I talk about uh, my buddy John Short, but we're gonna we're gonna skip all that for now. Uh, topic right here: Adam C and Cirillo. When he goes 450, Steve asks, you know, talks about hey, what is he gonna do? Is, he gonna, is Fox gonna keep him or Alpine Stars? So they, they may reach out. They seem to have this almost unlimited budget. <laughs> Jason Thomas says it's the highest percentage of marketing he's ever heard of. I would assume you have a little bit of knowledge of how this stuff works, Charles. Um, what do you think? Do you think AC stays in Fox or does Alpine star go for another superstar? Yeah, I, I, I know too much about this probably. Okay. Um, but he, if I had to bet my, bet my house on it, I would say he's Fox head to toe. Okay. Um, and, to support JC's previous theory and what he was kind of going after here, I would have, I would have put strong money on Alpine Stars given Adam's amateur career, like like they talked about on the show, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that Alpine Stars doesn't seem to have any kind of restrictions on the amount of money they spend because Gabrielle is, you know, super passionate and very involved. I, I would have bet Alpine Stars gear, helmets, and Scott goggles because again he was Scott guy forever. Um, but I heard from a pretty strong source last week that the Fox deal's done. He's already signed. So, Ooh, breaking um, news. We'll there's, there's a hot topic right there, a hot take right there. Yeah, and I, it wasn't from Adam or anybody in right. the camp, but a pretty good source okay. um, that I, I feel pretty pretty comfortable saying it's, it's, it's a done deal from what I know. I like it. I like it. We uh, we may have to 
I may have to hide that info for, or I don't know, hold that that info like hostage over Steve or something. Um, all right, Preston. He, they t- Steve starts talking about privateers um, after my call, talking about John Shore. I, my question was basically, how, what does a guy like him have to do? How does he get? He's uh, TPJ right now. How does he get a cycle trader type ride? Long discussion on that. They kind of blew me out a little bit about it, but it carried on to another conversation where Anton asked JT, um, like, what keeps a racer like a John Short who isn't really being looked at by the factory teams, the team managers? What keeps him going? JT says vodka, uh, which was funny, uh, you know. But then Steve starts talking about like the money some of these privateers make. Uh, he he mentions Tyler Entenap. So a guy like that's probably making 30000 a year. I, they start talking numbers, um, you know, whether Steve's right or wrong. I think JT disagreed with him. But he, uh, Steve says, you know, well, it's better than a Home Depot manager job. And, um, you know, and Anton talks about the risk of being a, a privateer at that level versus how much they're making. Um, so it's a really interesting discussion because it's not something some, we always think about, but it really is kind of pressing. Why would a privateer, guys like you've worked with before sometimes, why would they do this race when they're basically not making that much money? Do you think Steve is right that it's still better than having a regular job and they're still making more money doing what they love? Uh, yeah, I would agree with him. I mean, why they're doing it is the love of the sport. You know, yeah. It's what they started from, you know, four, five, six, seven years old, going to the races with their family, you know, that's what they've done and that's what they love. You know, stepping away, you know, stepping away from that and getting a real job is a big change. And, you know, it probably wouldn't hurt a lot of the semi-factory or factory guys actually work a real job for a month or two in off season, and then you probably see better results from yeah. Donzo, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, we saw Ben Lemay last year had to go to work. He went to work for Monster for a little while here in Texas, and uh, yeah, I think he he, yeah, he look, quit doing that pretty quick. Look at his results this year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, all right. Feeling mad at Moto Concept, so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was great for him. Um, okay, so real quick, we're going to touch on a few more things quickly. Um, the JT versus Dune Goon uh, ride off. They're both tied at two. JT or Dune Goon says he may go ride this weekend. So JT says, as soon as I hit the, the moment I hear you're headed to the track, I'm jumping on a bike and going riding. Charles, who gets who gets the three first? Uh, I'm going to say Marks. I think you're right. And I don't have a real good backing on that other than JT is probably going to enjoy some fun festivities over July 4th <laughs> weekend, I would think. Um, yeah, maybe Marks gets out and rides. Although, JT does have weather on his side. And Marks is living in Vegas where it's 800 degrees right now. So Right. I don't know. But I'll go Marks. I'll go Marks. Okay. What about you, Preston? Who do you think gets it first? Yeah, I'd have to agree with Charles. I think Mark's well for sure. I do too, because just JT's comments every time he's like, "It's so much work to go riding." I'm like, "Dude, you you really don't want to go riding. It is, you, you're not feeling it." All right, we're gonna skip over X brand tear offs. Um, just that's that's for you, Charles. We'll skip that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the next thing I want to talk about is we had caller Doug. Doug was on hold for three hours and forty five minutes. Um, and his question basically was, Steve, what is your favorite memorabilia or story, your favorite memorabilia in your studio or your story? Um, quite honestly, 
I, I sort of started blanking out with this long, long winded story that he told about not Steve's story, but Doug's story about his favorite memorabilia. Um, but the, the reason I bring this up is this guy did work for Starbucks that caught Steve's attention. I think Steve would have let him talk for two hours just to get the Starbucks, um, products or whatever he's going to be sent. Um, typically he doesn't let callers go this long, but this call in particular, he was all about, uh, Charles, what'd you think, man? I'll be honest with you. I zoned out as you did. Um, (laughs) I can't really get to the bottom of it, but, um, yeah, I, I don't. You, you're completely right in the fact that typically Steve would have cut the guy off and not got very far. Um, so there has to be the, the Starbucks thing has to be the reason he let let the guy keep talking. Yeah. Um, because I think even a caller earlier in the show, Steve cut off pretty pretty abruptly. He did. Um, yeah. So I, it, Starbucks. Steve likes Starbucks, so it's his show. Yeah, it's his show. That's <laughs> right. Say whatever he wants. Preston, what do you think about the call and uh, the link that it went? Well, I mean, for him holding on that long, that's pretty yeah. spectacular. And that he blows my smart. mind. Right. He And I give it to him. He was smart opening up the whole call with, hey, I do work for Starbucks, because that's probably what kept the call going. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And, and you know. It's it's funny when whenever Steve says, "All right, this caller has been on hold for anything in excess of an hour." The call is usually like, "Are you kidding me? That that's what you waited for?" And and Steve's usually like, "Yeah, great story, thanks." <laughs> you know? Yeah. So all right, well, uh, quickly we're gonna try to touch on, and this is not gonna be easy to touch on quick, but the um, the WADA FIM you know catastrophe that's always a hot topic. Uh, Cade Clayson was released to go back racing. Steve makes a big deal of the back fact that they never gave him a number, basically a, a time frame. Just all of a sudden, okay, you're good. Uh, they also touch on the Brock Tickle situation. They never really told him anything definite. Um, he's not allowed to earn any money. And all of a sudden, okay, well, you get to come back. But it's like, what, five rounds into Supercross, uh, which just kind of screws Tickle over. Um the discussion was made, though, about why we need FIM or why Feld wants FIM. And Anton made a really good point. Uh, they want to have a World Supercross round, Feld does, and they don't want another company to come in and start a World Supercross series or a series overseas and take away um, take away from their series. Uh, Charles, I'm sure you're on board with most of us. The FIM needs to go. But what did you think about that? particular comment that Anton made yeah. Yeah. about wanting to do the, more world rounds. Yeah. The reason Feld maybe a good reason or yeah. a reason that Feld keeps him on board. Yeah. That I, I would assume that has to be it um, or a big part of it anyway. And I, I'm not one jumping up and down saying they've got a FIM has to get out of here. Like Steve is like, I, I kind of don't have an opinion either way. Okay. I think, um, there, there's nothing that we know on the outside that what they're bringing to the table, but I, we're not in on the inside to know what, if anything, they're doing for the series um, structurally or logistically or anything like that. And I think we all assume they do nothing, but I, I don't know. Steve doesn't know either. He talks like he does um, <laughs> because he has a good he has a good insight into it. But I, I, I truly, you know, the the 
the tickle thing and the Clayson thing and the stew thing. And, you know, I, it's Bryant. easy to point at FIM and uh, yeah, they haven't handled it well, but I don't know how much of that is actually FIM versus all the different acronyms, WADA, USADA, all that. Right. Whatever. Right. Um, I'm not in tune enough to know who to really point the finger at, which is probably the problem because there's so many people with their hands in the pot that just point their finger at someone else and no one really takes accountability. So I guess there's some merit to removing one of those acronyms from the <laughs> equation might help yeah. um, narrow down to who's responsible, but I don't know. I mean, I guess it does add value that it is called a world championship and maybe that's, more valuable for TV rights and things like that, that than we know about. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think yeah. it's going to make a difference to me, I guess. Okay. Um, race tech round of the night. We're not going to touch on this too much, but Anton talks about unknown or small time media guys taking content as their own and sharing it on their page, not giving credit, making it as if it's their own. Um, if you guys didn't hear the race tech rant and just, you know, pulp, pulp code, pulp 19 for a discount at race tech. Um, but anyway, yeah, stop doing that. I think I've been, I could probably say that I've done that before also. I When Anton first posted something about this a few weeks ago, I was like, dude, I've actually taken pictures and used them when I'm announcing riders coming on my show. I just screenshot or off their Instagram page, and I'm definitely going to stop doing that. It's not cool. I was in the wrong. Good rant from Anton. Um, but we're going to move on real quick to a couple of these tweets. Tweet at Travis. Uh, this was a good one, I thought. Um, Will we see more electric bikes in the future, Alta went away, uh, went bankrupt. Um, but Anton says the Honda one, he thinks going to be in production. I still think there's a future for it. Uh, Preston, I'd like to get your, your thoughts on, will we see more electric bikes and will they make a big impact, uh, in the pro scene at some point? Um, yeah, I think we will see electric bikes, um, on the pro scene. It'll probably depend on, if the manufacturers want to push that way and then yeah. kind of do like they did with the two strokes and then force them out and force the four strokes out. But, you know, without any regulations, you might see a, uh, you know, 450 class, electric class or something like that. But depends on the manufacturers, I would say. Yeah, I think they're going to have a big part saying it. Uh, Charles, your thoughts on electric bikes uh, and the future of it? Yeah, I think I think it's coming. I don't have any kind of timeline, right? Um, but I, I, I really do think it's something that will be considered more. I don't know that we ever get to the point of all electric bikes racing, at least in our lifetimes. Right. Um, but I think it's something that's going to become more prevalent. It's, it's definitely the technology's advancing rapidly, so it's only going to get better, right? So I think also was just a little bit on the, the forefront of success you know i think it's gonna we're gonna see more of it for sure yeah definitely um okay so this uh the, the, we had another caller or maybe it might have been no, i was a tweet excuse me tweet at travis guy asks you know uh with marvin doing so well and his results and cooper winning the championship uh for the next ktm rockstar or ktm factory edition what number do they put on the bike um not really an important question, but Steve's response to me was fantastic. He's like, I don't know. And I don't care. Um, that's, that's the Steve that we love right there. I think Charles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you can also tell when the show is running longer or yeah. he has other things on his mind, he's more prone to giving these kind of answers when he's doing something else. 
and he just doesn't want to address it. Because if you get that question at the right time during the show, he probably answers and talks about it for five minutes. But true at the wrong time in the show, he's like, I don't give a shit. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> and my answer would be, I don't know. They probably put number one on it or number two. I would think. I don't know. I would think he. he I think he said, or maybe Anton said. One of them said number one, and yeah, I think that uh, clearly that's that's I would think number one. That's the answer. Yeah. But all right. The last, uh, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes of the, of the show, uh, Pookie comes in for a little bit, and this particular segment was one of my favorite things, I think, ever on a Pulp Show. Um, Anton basically interviews Steve, a lot of questions about the 90s and his history, and um, I could touch on a few things. Steve, he, um, he talks about when he started, the, discuss- the discussion on free stuff they got in the heyday, like Etnies, LBZ. Uh, so, you know, clothes, gear, all this free stuff. They talk about uh, the bleaching of the hair, the hoop earrings, wanting to act like uh, or be like uh, Jeremy McGrath, phone cards, pagers, how you stayed in touch while you were on the road, discovering Red Bull, uh, what was your favorite gear of all time, all these different things. I loved this segment. Um, Charles, what were your thoughts on the last half hour or so of the show with this this just memory lane? I mean, I, I I love that stuff because that was the early '90s were my like very influential years in, in Supercross and Motocross. That's when I was like really just finding it. I was young, but I was all in on it. I loved it. And so when we talk about Jeremy with bleached blonde hair and the hoop earrings, like I, I had bleached blonde hair, absolutely running around <laughs> as a teenager, and I wanted my ears pierced with those hoop earrings. I never got the ball to do it, but um, cause it's a little different in Texas versus Southern California, but, um, yeah, I personally, I love that stuff. And I think, I think Steve probably mindful of that and probably reserves it to not overuse it. I think, yeah. um, because if, if he talked about it every show, we had, you know, tripped on memory lane with Denny or somebody like that, you know, kicking somebody, whatever, every single show, it would wear itself out. But if he, sprinkles it in radically it, it keeps its its interest level really high and you know i personally like it i love it too yeah and preston um what'd you think of that segment that might be like one of my favorite segments i've ever listened to on the pulp show somebody actually like asking steve the questions and the actual questions that anton was asking yeah you know that was the end of like my racing career and the beginning of my mechanic career. So I kind of lived all that and seen all that. And that's basically, you know, how it was. Yeah. I would definitely like to see something like that. Not, not every week, maybe not even every month, but maybe two or three times a year. Um, I was actually a little surprised because about a month ago, I sent Steve an email. I had an idea to do a long form, like a two-part interview with him and Pookie on this stuff, basically his beginning of his career and then get Pookie involved once they met and discussed some of these stories. And he's like, man, nobody cares. I don't think we're, let's, let's, he wanted the pass basically. He's like, I just don't think anybody cares. Um, and I think he's wrong. I think people do care. And as long as it's not like you say, Charles, just where it's all the time, I think it's really interesting. He has new fans coming in all the time. People that haven't heard these stories, uh, so I think Anton did a fantastic job with that segment. Um, last thing I want to touch on, and then we'll do our BTO hot to- uh, hot takes. He uh, every so often 
he well, lately he hasn't been doing as much, but he does the sponsor reads at the end of the show. And I've talked about this on one of the early episodes of the wrap up show. And he has the guest this time, Anton, give his first thought. I think the segment needs to go. I think it's tired. I think it's over. Um, I'd like to get your thoughts on it. Uh, you first, Preston. Uh, he needs to can that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, it's been going on way too long, and it's almost like Steve being Steve. Like that's why he keeps it on there because probably so many people's like wanting to get rid of it. He's like, oh, I'm going to do it just because. Right. Right. That may be. What about you, Charles? I don't know. I kind of like this segment. Okay. Um, um, yeah, it gets old when some people say it bugs me when people just repeat um, a person's name that yes. works for the company, which I'm guilty of a little bit. I say, you know, Dan Truman for Geb or something like that, but I try to add a little something else when I'm there. Um, like when I say Dan Truman, I'm like, they have the best customer service because it goes straight to Dan's cell phone or whatever. But um, personally, I like it. The only, only, I think the only time people really get bummed out on it is when, like I said, one, people say, the guest says a person's name for every sponsor, or sure. it's a really repetitive guest that, um, you know, struggling to come up with something different. Because when you, when Steve says to say the first thing that comes to mind, the first thing that comes to mind when you say FMF today versus two weeks from now, probably the same first thing that comes to your mind, right? So D. it's hard to come up with different stuff if you're, if you're, you know, a, sure. a consistent guest, I guess. Sure. That makes I, sense. I mean, I like it. Whatever. Yeah, I think sometimes it's funny, but yeah, when it when it gets repetitive, uh, and, and I, you know, there's no way for Steve to know that going in unless it's like a Kiefer or something that's in yeah. all the time. Maybe, maybe can it and at that point. Witty people. Yeah, witty people come up with better stuff. You know, right. like I think Daniel Blair does a pretty good job on yep. there, and um, he comes up with cool, unique stuff. And it just depends on the guest and what kind of. And to be honest, it comes down to how long the show's been and what kind of mood or creative thought process the guest is in because if it's a five and a half hour show and you know you're you're ready to fucking go it's easier to just say yep little d yep yeah yeah that's true whatever sure you got to kind of read the room a little bit i guess um once again i want to thank all the sponsors uh including atlas brace fmf racing roost graphics get data firepower batteries and chains evs sports Eagle Grit Hand Cleaner, MotorcycleIndustryJobs.com, LAHondaWorld.com, and OGO Bags and Ride Engineering, all on board. Again, I know the Pulp fans support all the Pulp MX sponsors. Go to PulpMXShow.com for links and product code or discount codes. All right, we're going to get into our BTO hot takes and then wrap this up. One last question, though. He has announced the last two weeks that Kenny Watson will be on in studio next week. Um I want to get both your thoughts on Kenny being back in studio and does he show up? Uh, you first, Charles. Uh, I like Kenny in the studio, um, but he's a gamble on which Kenny you get and how engaged he is. But he's always funny because he has a he has a strong opinion and a strong stance on whatever topic you throw at him. He's not going to kind of waffle on anything, right? So I like that part of him. Sometimes, you know, some of the stuff that comes out of his mouth, I don't agree with, or maybe don't like the way it comes out or whatever, but um, Kenny's a good dude. I like him. We've always got along well. Um, and I really like him on the show. He's, he's, yeah. He has a unique perspective for sure. And whether he shows up or not, um, I go, yeah, 90% chance he does because he's coming with Kyle Bentley, and I think oh, nice. Kyle's going to pick him up and deliver him 
Okay. Um, but it's nice to hear that's what's happening. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, Preston, your thoughts. I think, to me, Kenny and Steve's relationship is very similar to Steve and JT's relationship, where Watson likes to push those buttons, too, uh, and get Steve fired up. But what do you think about Kenny next week? I think it's awesome getting Kenny back on there. I've known Kenny for a while. And I don't think he actually, like, gets enough credit for what he's actually done, being involved with Hart and Huntington, going out, being able to get the sponsors, you know, helping, like, Hanson, you know, like, coming from the Brian Deegan days at Moto Triple X and all that stuff, like, he, you know, he's good at what he, what he can do and, you know, maybe some teams out there should look into it and try to get some of them outside sponsors. Right. Yeah, you're right. He doesn't get a lot of credit. I think some people um, kind of have, uh, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, not blown him off, but they just, he, like like you said, doesn't get the credit. Um, all right, let's jump into these BTO hot takes and we'll wrap this up. So Preston, I'm going to let you go first. What is your BTO hot take? Oh, uh, I think I'm going to go next year for Supercross. Malcolm Stewart gets a win. A win, okay. I like that. I I, I think that's uh, probably pretty accurate. Bearing injury, yep. yeah, I think he could pull off a win. Okay, uh, Charles, give me one. Um, I'm going to go a little bit tied to the show, Dark Side, and a little bit tied to my Texas roots. My hot take is at some point this summer, in the next week or two, Honda sits down Kenny, and they put John Short on that bike. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Um, okay, so at WW Ranch, I had dinner with John on Friday night. Um, and I've talked to him about this before, about going and meeting these teams. Go talk to these people. Put your face out there. And he's like, man, I just, I'm not good at that. I'm shy. I don't think they want to, you know, I don't want to waste their time. I was like, all right, tomorrow we're going to go talk to some people. So I took him to Christina Denny, who he, he knew, but, you know, I, I made him go in there and say, hey, if something opens up, think about me. We went to Geico. We went to a bunch of these teams, and he's putting his face out there. And um, Derek Dwyer at uh, Geico was like, "Dude, John's the next guy that we think about for on this, you know, as far as Honda. He's like the next guy." So I like that because I think he's starting to put himself out there and looking for something like that. And I hope that these teams are considering that. I would, yeah, I'd love that. John deserves a chance. I, I agree. He's a, he's a good dude. I think. You know, he, his Supercross skills are just okay at this point, but I'm talking just specifically this outdoor season. That would yeah. be, be pretty cool and a cool PR move on Honda's part um, to support a, a privateer kid that's doing well and um, and Kenny, you know, Kenny's struggling. So that's it's, yeah. it's, it's a bit of a far fetch, but it's not <laughs> out of the, the realm of possibility, I think. Well, I, I certainly, you, you piqued my interest with that one. I like it. Um, all right, well, we're going to wrap this thing up. I want to thank Charles Caslew with 100% Goggles. I want to thank Preston Rose. I'm Darkside from the Moto X Pod Show. If you have anything, whether you like the show or don't, let me know. Let me hear what your thoughts are. Is Steve right or wrong about the show? Uh, Darkside at pulpmx.com. Uh, Preston, Charles, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Uh, this was a lot of fun. All right, guys, we're going to call this thing a night and we'll be back next week after the Red Bud episode. And uh, hopefully Steve will keep it going. We just got to keep this thing rolling. And at some point, maybe it'll take off like Seinfeld did. All right, we're out of here. Thank you. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show?
see you and me.